0: Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. So when I got saved, uh, when I became a Christian, it was literally just a couple days before I graduated university. And so in this weird season, this this weird pocket of time when you're about to leave a very safe bubble that you've been in a while and go out into the world and kind of make something of yourself for the first time, right? And, you know, everything's, oh, well, what am I going to do? And, and who am I going to become? And, and what is the world going to be like? It's in that weird space of time that I met Jesus. And I actually had a pretty radical encounter with him. And so overnight, everything changed because of Jesus. Right as I'm getting ready to go out into the world and become a real grown-up. And in the run-up to that, in the weeks leading up to it, I'd been casually dating this guy, and, uh, and we were in his car driving somewhere. We were having that conversation that we're about to graduate uni. Like, what are we going to do with our lives, you know? And I said to him, I don't know, but I want to change the world. And I started talking to him about the Civil War that was going on in Sudan, and the child soldiers that were in Uganda, and, and the fact that in the Congo there are women who walk 100 miles just to safely give birth. And I started sharing with this guy about all the pain in the world and the sadness and all the injustice. And I said, I just, I just want to make it better. I just want to change the world for the better. And he looked at me and he smiled. And he said, Sarah, that is so cute. (laughs) That is so sweet that you think you can do that. Wow, like, I just, but, you know, let's be realistic. You, You can't actually change the world. Like, one person actually can't do that. So, so what, what do you actually want to do with your life? Like, what kind of job do you want to have, you know? And I said, Excuse you? Do you, do you want to rewind and try that again? What, what do you mean I can't change the world? Like, what, what, of course I can change the world. Yeah. And I'm going to. And I got out of that man's car and I slammed the door shut as strong and loud as I could, and I never spoke to him again. <laughs> because I was irate that this man didn't think we could change the world. And I just thought, what, what a sad way of thinking. What a lazy way of thinking. But the question stuck with me for weeks, leading up to, and and on graduation and after graduation, of how am I gonna change the world? Because actually, I had no idea. And he was right, like, I was just one person. I was just little old me living in middle of nowhere South Carolina. What was I gonna do? Except now, I had Jesus. And Jesus had to be the answer, didn't he? Right? Like, he had to be the solution to all of this. Because I knew what he had done for me. I knew that he had completely transformed my heart and my life. And if he had done that for me, well, he could do that for anyone. He could do it for everyone. Maybe, hopefully, you also have a story like that. A story of when Jesus came and he saved you and he changed everything. We've been journeying through Acts, hearing about one of those stories. We've, we've been journeying uh, with Paul, hearing about his story and the things he did to change the world with Jesus. Now, remember when we first met Paul, Way, way back in Acts 9, he was a bad guy. Like, he was the villain of the story, right? He was a baddie. And then he's walking on the road to Damascus, and he has this crazy encounter with Jesus. He's literally blinded by the brilliance of the Lord. And all of a sudden, he knows. He knows who the Lord is, and everything changes. Everything changes for him. And because he knows the truth of who God is, and he knows the truth of what God did for him in that moment, nothing can make him doubt or waver in it. And he goes through a lot, right? We've read and heard about the death threats that Paul's had, the imprisonment, the torture. He's been through a lot of court cases. And We're about to find him, when we pick up in 26, we're about to find him in yet another court case. But through it all, he sticks to the truth of who he is, of who Jesus is, and what Jesus did for him. And because of that, because of that personal story and testimony that Paul has, he literally goes from being a murderer to a missionary. He goes from killing and imprisoning and persecuting Christians to evangelizing most of Asia Minor to writing about a third of the New Testament. He was the first to uh, share the gospel with Gentiles, which was a really big deal. We talked about that a few weeks ago in, uh, I think, Acts 22. He literally goes out and changes the world because he knows Who Jesus is. And nothing can make him doubt it. And so we're gonna find him in a pickle yet again as we start reading back in Acts 26. And this time, he's in another court and he's making a defense for himself uh, against King Agrippa, okay? So he's kind of like working his way up the chain, working his way up the hierarchy. And so King Agrippa says, you can speak for yourself. You can make a defense for yourself. And this is his response, which you might, it might seem a bit familiar, because every time Paul is given the opportunity to defend himself, he shares his story. He shares what the Lord has done for him. And so we'll pick up in verse 9. It should come on the screen. I mean, there's Bibles kind of dotted around as well, so feel free to use those. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. So, when given the opportunity to speak or to share, Paul doesn't debate theology. He doesn't argue. He just shares his story. And he tells the truth about his story, right? Like, he doesn't downplay it, he doesn't lie about it. He did those things. He persecuted these people, he was a part of their murder. And so he shares that, and he shares what Jesus did, and he shares what he's, he's like now. And everyone in that room hears it. And what they're hearing is a bit confusing for them, right? Because it's like, okay, okay, Paul, you're telling me that this group of people that you used to murder... You're now one of them. And this God, this Jesus that you are now in chains for, you used to do everything in you to oppose them. How? How is that possible? How did that happen? You know, one of the most encouraging things to me personally is when I tell someone a story about my life pre-Jesus And they say, I cannot imagine you doing that. There's no way that was you. And I'm like, I know. Because it wasn't me. It was a whole different person. That Sarah is different. That Sarah is dead and gone. I'm a new creation because of Jesus. Right? And... The Bible actually talks about that in terms of life and death, that actually I was dead in my sin and my transgressions, and now I am alive in Christ, that I was in darkness and now I'm in light, that I was in one kingdom and now I'm in this this kingdom of, of grace and joy and life and goodness and peace. I'm in the kingdom of God now. And the only thing that changed that is Jesus. That's it. So whenever I share my story and my testimony, whenever Paul shares his, whenever you share yours, what you're doing is you're proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're saying this is who the Lord Jesus is. This is what he's like, that he gives restoration and mercy and kindness and love, a love that will change everything in your life. Stories are important. Testimonies are important because they proclaim who Jesus is. And every time we share ours, what we actually do is we invite everyone who hears it into that story. We invite them to know the resurrection of Jesus. We give them an opportunity to know the restoration of the Lord. So your story is important. Of all the things Paul could share in that moment, he shares his personal testimony, He shares the, the one thing that is completely and uniquely just him and Jesus's, their journey together. Your story is important, and it's powerful, and it's impactful and significant. And so today, we're going to share some stories, and we're going to hear some amazing testimonies of what Jesus has done and who, what he's like, who he is. So I've invited a couple people to come up and share their testimony from the front. Um, And so the first one I'm going to invite up is Steve Wiper. If you want to give him a little round of applause. You got it, Steve. There you go. Good. Go for it.
1: Okay. Hi, I'm Steve. Um, So my story, how did I meet Jesus? I grew up in a Christian home. Both my parents were Christians. My dad was a preacher. I heard um, about God, who God was, who Jesus is, from as far as I can remember. Um, And as a young child, probably around three or four years of age, I understood that even as a young child, I'd done things wrong. I could be disobedient, I could be naughty, I could, you know, there were things that I could do. That would upset God and my parents and other people around me. That's called sin, and Jesus could help me with it and could take away my sin problem and could come into my life and be in control of my life. So I did what I felt was right and responded and invited Jesus into my life. So some of you are thinking, great, that's how you met Jesus. You can go sit down now, Steve. Um, Takeaway number one God speaks to children. We've just heard about the great work that Michael's been doing and things. God speaks to children. If you're a parent, if you know children, if you've been a child, you know, God speaks to children. Pray for children. Listen to them. God sometimes speaks through children. He has done through mine when they were very young, in amongst the mumbo jumbo and the crazy stories. Sometimes God really speaks, and we've got to be tuned into that. And we should expect and pray for the Holy Spirit um, to, to speak through our children, speak to our children. Uh, So life wasn't easy despite growing up in a Christian home. In fact, because of what my dad did, he was kind of like a one-man pastor to a little mission fellowship in East London. We were in a very tough community. My schools were horrible, full of kind of bullying and craziness, and that, amongst other things, and my dad was quite strict. Uh, He worked very hard, which meant we got a kind of burnt-out version of dad coming home because he believed in what he was doing. He had a great calling on his life. Uh, Sometimes the the work-life balance wasn't great. Um, So I kind of grew quite resentful of a number of things and lots of things I wanted to do but couldn't do growing up and um, rebelled. And particularly the years of 10 to 20 weren't great. Uh, I went to schools with some very violent people. Some were involved in football gang violence in the 70s and 80s. And um, they were in my school, you know, carrying blades to school back in the 70s. Can you believe it? So I got into a place where I kind of decided I actually would take control of a number of these issues. And um, different resentments and anger built up in me. Uh, to the point where, and rebellion, and I just sort of often thought, yeah, God, you know what, me and you can do business perhaps when I'm older, (laughs) but right now I'm going to be lord of my life, I'm going to be in control, I'm going to take, you know, do what I want, do this, do that, um, and go after things that I want to go after, Um, and for a while it seemed quite good, you know, I was doing what I wanted to do, people weren't telling me what to do, and I was, you know... And just got my life into a real mess. I hurt people. Um, I got, again, that anger thing didn't go away. got bigger. Um, I can actually say publicly, there was at least twice in my life, probably during that period as a late teenage years, maybe even into my 20s after I'd, I'd really had an encounter and come back to God, where I was so angry. And it shocked me when I, in the cold light of day when I sat down and realised I was angry enough to kill someone there's someone particularly one instance I can think of where I went out looking for someone and if I'd have found them I was going to do serious damage and it wouldn't have mattered where it stopped and that's a horrible thing for someone who's invited Jesus in their life already and had an encounter with God to have to say but that was something I've had to deal with along the way it never completely goes but I've had help counselling so folks if you relate to that there is help, and you can get through it and bring it to God. He enters into it, and he helps to heal that and other other things. Uh, I lost my mum when I was 16. She'd been ill for two years. A woman who'd served God all her life, so that didn't help my kind of feelings of resentments and things like that. The Christian life is not easy, but it's worthwhile. Lots of things in this life are not easy, but they're worthwhile. God is with you. He's faithful. He's been faithful to me through ups, downs, difficult times. He's brought me to a place where. Um, do you know one of the things I felt God? I was trying to pray, sitting there, listening to Sarah, thinking, "Right, what do you want me to say?" One big thing I I feel that God wants to say today. Ke- Kevin brought a word earlier that the door is open. There's an open gate. You know, there's an open access to God here today. Imagine the most whole, best version of yourself, the closest to God you could be. Imagine any things that hold you back from that now. They are the things that God wants to do. That's what he said to me for my life. Work on these issues, work on this, and keep going. So if I'm still breathing, I'm still on a journey, and it's still going on, but God is faithful. I've probably had five minutes now, have I? <laughs>
0: It's really good and really important to remember that just because you meet Jesus doesn't mean everything's like peachy keen, right? Like, life is hard sometimes, and sometimes it's a process to heal things and to, to transform certain areas of your life, and, um, and Jesus doesn't give up. He doesn't just come once, and then he's like, all right, cool, you're clean, great. Like, no, he, he walks with us, so thanks for sharing that, Steve.
2: Next up is Zoe Britnell. Come on up, Zoe. Um, so, just kind of going to start quite early on in my life. I grew up fairly near to here, and um, I went to church most of my life, mainly because my group of friends um, went. So, I was going for quite a while, but... I wouldn't say initially, Jesus was really real to me. And then as time went on, um, as I carried on going to church, hearing about him, I decided, no, I, I, I knew the reality of Jesus. And so I invited Jesus into my life when I was about 11. And nothing majorly dramatic happened right then. I felt a real sense of his peace. And then through my teenage years, I, I was kind of growing up, still going to church. And then I became a student. And um, I started partying way too much. <laughs> um, and I kind of turned away a little bit from God. I wasn't living for him. I was just like wanting to party and live for the moment. And, um, and then after a while, I got a bit ill I suffered from quite a lot of fatigue and it meant that I had to um, stay at home for a number of weeks. And it, it was in that, that time when I was staying at home um, that sometimes when we have quiet moments, it's those quiet moments that Jesus can really come in if we're open to it. And um, as I was at home for those weeks, I became quite... I suppose I was in a bit of a depressed place. And um, fear has always been quite a big thing for me. Uh, One of the things is speaking in front of people. So um, speaking in front of you today is a major breakthrough. But as I was um, kind of at home, just thinking, I'm not sure my life is really going in the right direction here. I asked Jesus to come close again. And he started to come close, and I started to feel his presence again. And at that time, I decided to do a discipleship course with a church in Wales. So that was like a major step for me. And also around that time, I had a couple of encounters. I'm not sure up to that point, I really had a full revelation of God's love for me. And um, this person prayed for me once and. at that time, and while they were praying for me, um, as soon as they started speaking, I broke down in tears, like quite dramatically, and I felt some fear break off, and um, his love start to pour in, and sometimes you can have those kind of dramatic moments, isn't it, where something just breaks and lifts off. And um, also at that time, God gave me a vision of him on the cross, and I felt like I had a fresh revelation of what he did on the cross for me and for all of us, that his love for us and what he did on the cross completely can break the power over anything that we've lived through in the past. It is a process and it is a journey, but what he did on the cross, he completely can break the power of anything in our past and lead us into our futures in a hope and life. So during that time, I then uh, went to Wales and I knew that um, God... Really, really loved me, and I saw him majorly kind of break into my life, but also into other people's lives. And I had the opportunity to go abroad and tell people about Jesus as well. So it's just that I know that when you draw close to God, He is faithful, and He will draw close to you. Um, and that although there it is a process with some of the things that we work through I know that he has broken off a lot of fear and depression in my life but it's also something that I have to continually draw close to him and work through as well and it's it's a process but I know that he is faithful and that he has life for each and every one of us if we only allow him to come in
0: It's funny when I asked her, I didn't know if she was afraid, and so it's like it's just so even that you know he, Jesus, he's constantly healing, he's constantly breaking through, he's constantly doing stuff in your lives and in everyone who you meet's life. Right, we're gonna have one more testimony. This one is from James, so come on up, give him a round of applause.
3: Hi, Um, a lot of you know me here, but some people I don't recognize anymore. Um, I'll start off by saying the man that stands before you isn't the man that once stood BC, that's before Christ. Um, I've lived a thousand lives, 999 of them unfulfilling, Um, and in five minutes you can't fit all of that in. So I have to stick to the core matter. Uh, growing up, I was subjected to domestic violence, from father to mother, um, and both ways really. It, it goes both ways most of the time. And even though, um, even though my parents loved me, I, I was pretty broken from a very young age. Um, and then my, my father and mother separated, and my mum got together with another man who was also abusive to her, both mentally and physically. So I found myself at the age of 16 standing between a 40-year-old man trying to hurt my mum, basically. Um, and I'm not a small boy, so he didn't really get past me. Um, I found myself at the age of 16 doing that. So I spent most of my years after that... Um, kind of drowning in addiction, alcohol, drugs. My father passed away at the age of 17 because he he had an addiction. Um, He was 36 when he passed away. Um, I, I, I miss him, but mainly because I'd never really got to know him that much at that age. Um... I started working at the age of 18 as a doorman in town and when you are living in those circles you get into really bad habits. So I was, as I said, drowning in alcohol, uh, drowning in drugs and also um, being really bad in nightlife, fighting, getting into trouble with the authorities to the point where I lost my badge so I couldn't, couldn't be on the door anymore, lost my job. Um, and started to um, deal drugs for money. And it got so bad to the point where I got into bad debt with the wrong people, and I had to run away for a while. So I went back to the old country. I'm from Portugal. Um, I went back, and uh, I was there for a while, hidden away from the world. When I came back, um, debts paid, I... um, I went back into the same cycle, working to drink, drinking, going back to work. And yeah, it was, it was a very dark time in my life. And until I met my beloved Hannah Marie, um, our relationship was incredibly broken at the beginning. Um, it was dysfunctional is probably the word to use here, uh, and we broke up, and we came back together, because there was something there, and Hannah was already a Christian at this point, um, except she'll tell you herself that she wasn't practicing at this time, um, and she said, maybe we should start looking for a church, so we did, and we went to a few churches, and we ended up here, except not here, this was back in Merrick Hall, um, and the first person I think I saw when I walked through the door was John. And it was like, hi, and the biggest man in the world I've ever seen has approached me and, like, hugged me. And I was like, okay, all right, I can, I can, I can fake this for this relationship. That's what I told myself. Um, we went to a welcomer's meal. The, the good thing, well, not the good thing, but the interesting thing about this is we had the biggest argument before we went to a welcomer's meal. And those of you that have been to a Welcomers meal, it's amazing, spot on. Food was amazing. We had a big argument. Hannah was like, I'm not going. Come on, we've made a commitment, let's go. So we did. We spent the evening there sharing our time. And as I was speaking to aid, and a gentleman named Mike Stevenson, who will forever be remembered in my testimony, um, after I told them a little bit about who I was, they said, Mike turned to me and said, what an amazing testimony and I thought to myself I didn't know I had one of those I thought testimonies were for people who were broken who were on the ground about to die and then all of a sudden Jesus comes in and lifts them I didn't think I, I was there um, that really stuck with me the following day Ade was giving a talk on stage and he invited people to pray pray this prayer if you want Jesus in your heart and I did And I gave my life to Jesus the following day. Now I'm married to my wonderful Hannah Marie. I have a beautiful daughter named Aria. I have a stable career. I have everything I could possibly ask for. Um, And that's because Jesus came and did a work on my heart. And I'm a completely changed man before you. Um, And I'm not the finished article. But he's continuing to work on me and will continue to work on me throughout my life. So, give it a shot,
0: guys. (laughs) Make me tear up, guys. Thanks so much for sharing those, guys. Um, Isn't it amazing, though? It's so amazing to be reminded of who Jesus is and, and what he's done for, for us and for our brothers and sisters. And it doesn't matter if you, you know, you were saved from, from drugs and addiction like James or, or if you grew up a Christian and eventually chose Jesus but then maybe went away and came back. Like, it, it doesn't matter. All those stories are amazing. All those stories are miraculous. And God loves it. He loves your story. And he wants to use it. He wants to use this, this testimony he's given you. When I was chatting with Zoe... Uh, Beforehand, she said that the last time she shared her testimony in a church was on a mission trip a few years ago. And she shared it in the morning service. Great, went well, awesome. And then they went to wherever they were staying. uh, And later on in the day, this woman comes to the door and she says, I want to become a Christian. And they're like, oh my gosh, amazing. So they share the gospel with her, they lead her to Jesus, she becomes a Christian, awesome and they're chatting with her and they're like, "Well, what happened today? Like what? Like talk us through what what has God been doing?" And this woman says, "Oh, it was this t- the testimony this morning at church. Cuz I heard that story and I knew Jesus could be that for me, too. Jesus loves to use your story. And sometimes really amazing, clear things that you can see, and you can be like, oh my gosh, look at the fruit of that. That's awesome. Like Zoe's story leading to someone getting saved. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes God uses it in, in these ways we have no idea how it's happening or, or what's actually going on. Ways we can't really see yet. Because in the, the story of Acts 26, King Agrippa doesn't get saved. He doesn't hear Paul's story and is like, I want that too. That doesn't happen. Paul doesn't get set free. In fact, Acts 26 ends with Agrippa saying, I don't know why he appealed to Caesar, because if he hadn't done that, he would have been set free. So we can read it and be like, well, Paul, what were you thinking? That was a bonehead move. Like, why did you appeal to Caesar? Come on. You had been freed by now. But what we forget, but Paul didn't, is that there is a bigger point to his testimony and story. There's a bigger point to his life. He knows his story of Jesus has a purpose and a mission. And that purpose and mission is to go to Rome. It's to preach the gospel. And his story is a part of that. Now, I don't know where your story is gonna take you. I don't know who you'll get to share it with or or what that will look like for you. But if you have a testimony of Jesus, I know the purpose and mission of it. And that's to glorify the Lord. The purpose and mission of your testimony is to preach the gospel. To show Jesus, to to show Jesus to, to any and everyone who will listen to spread the kingdom the the purpose and mission of your testimony is to change the world because you have Jesus now and so we can't be embarrassed or ashamed of whatever our story with him is We can't downplay it or underestimate it because it's powerful. We need to be bold in it and brave in sharing it just like those three were. And so that's what I want to pray for you guys this morning. That you will be bold and I mean, maybe even to the point of like obnoxious in, in saying who Jesus is and what he's done for you. That you won't be scared or ashamed of your story anymore.